year ago today. I was in Fisherwick, a lot more nervous than I am now, because some of you came to hear me. And the rest is history, for better or worse. And when you come to a new church and you look around and you see the amazing ability and talent that there is, what you pray early on is that they don't leave. But Jose and Lily are going to leave. So I'm going to ask Jose to come forward and find out how just seven months into my ministry, I lose this couple that have been so important to us over the last uh, number of years and for me over these last few months. I don't need a microphone, as you can tell. Balamina voice, they can hear me down the street already. Jose, you're leaving us. Where are you going to? I'm going to London uh, starting on Monday week. And what is the job you're going to do in London? I'm going to work for Age UK. I'm an economist. I'm going to work for Age UK. And as you move, you're going to live in what part of London? Well, initially I'm going to live uh, 500 yards from where I'm going to work, and that is in South London in a place called Norbury, near Croydon. And moving to Belfast was one thing, because we're a village compared to London. But moving to London must be a little bit more daunting, perhaps. And then there is this job of selling a house here and getting a house there. What could we be praying for as you do that move? Yeah, going to London in some sense is like going to Buenos Aires, where I'm from. It's the same size. But I know because I... I'm already experiencing this, that it's going to be more difficult, at least for me, I don't know, uh, Lily, but for me it will be much more difficult to leave Belfast than it was 10 years ago to leave Buenos Aires. Uh, and what makes the difference, uh, and it's no cliches, and it's a deep truth, uh, is you is uh, the, the fellowship and the, the strong bonds and friendships and love that uh, as a family we have uh, been blessed by for the last 10 years. And as I was not a Christian in Argentina, I, I didn't experience uh, what uh, uh, the family of Christ, being part of the family of Christ really means. So going to London, uh, for me, it will be uh, very difficult in that particular sense. And I look forward to joining a, a similar uh, congregation, uh, not in terms of the uh, liturgy or the worship or all the outer things, uh, but a similar congregation in terms of the warmth uh, and the out. Uh, living of uh, the gospel, really. When we met, uh, Jose, for you to tell me that you were leaving, you told me a wonderful story about how God has led you from one place to London. Could you just share that story with us now? And then we'll ask Lily up and I'll pray for you. But just share that story. Yeah. Um, Around nine years ago, um, I began... Uh, well, I came to Northern Ireland with a promise, a promise that said, 
its inefficiency and says that uh, it's the Lord who will bring down the walls of uh, hostility and the walls of division. Uh, and I thought that that was a promise for this divided land. Um, so I came with that promise being uh, with confidence that somehow uh, reconciliation will um, uh, will be uh, a presence in this land. But uh, since the very beginning I began experiencing initially bad taste, then animosity, and final, uh, finally hatred against Martin McGuinness. And against McGuinness as a person, as a figure, uh, beyond and above his uh, political ideology or the organization he belongs or and the one that he used to belong, uh, against him. Uh, so whenever he was on TV, radio, or the newspaper, something within me stirred and was really uh, unpleasant. Uh, and I knew that it was wrong. And I struggled with that. And uh, eventually, I think that it was in prayer, but I can't remember. But anyway, eventually, one day I, I had a, a conversation within me. It's not that there was another voice, and I was, it was just a conversation within me. Uh, and and the, the, the conversation went like that. Yes, sure, Jose, I know what the problem is. The problem is that this man has never repented in public, at least as far as I knew, of all what he did. Yes. Yes, because if he repents, I will be able to look at him differently. Even I will be able to love him, who knows. And then the conversation went on. Say no, but hold on. Did Jesus wait until I repented for him to love me? Ah, oh, no. No, actually, we love him because we love God because God first loved us. So, shouldn't I do the same? By the way, repentance is not my business with regards to Martin McGuinness and God. I should love him, nevertheless. And the conversation went on because then I, I, I came to a point where I said, well, yes, that's very, very good, but I cannot do that on my own. You know, it's not one of those things that you wake up one morning and say, yes, now, 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to love this. No, it doesn't work like that. So, then I prayed. I prayed that God cleansed me and removed this bad feeling. 
and nothing happened. Apart. One day, I attended the conference, Holiday Inn Hotel, and I arrived at the very last minute. And the only two or three places available, as it always happens when one arrives late, were just first row. Uh, so I had to sit in the first row, and the, I was as, uh, as far as uh, Alan was, is at the moment from the lantern. And the person who opened that conference for the five-minute uh, introductory speech was Martin McGuinness. So McGuinness and, and, uh, and I were just uh, two meters apart, and it was the first time that I could see him in person. And I can't remember a word, a single word of what he said, but what I do remember is that as I looked at him and listened to him, I felt that, I, that a burden was being taken away from me, that I was beginning to experience uh, something completely different. To begin with, I realized that I didn't hate him any longer. And I prayed for him at that very moment, the first time that I had done that on his behalf. Uh, and the conference was coming to an end by 4 o'clock, 4.30, when someone invited a member of, of the public, of, of the audience, to say something about a project. And that, so that person was not even expected to talk. It's like my being here and say, please, De uh, Desi, would you like to say something? And Desi is So that person was prompted to, to say something. And what she said was, well, we would like to have a particular project done, particular research project done. That was it. When the conference came to an end, I approached this person, this woman from Queen's University and said, I introduced myself and said, I can do that project. That's my area of expertise. Really? I was looking for someone. No one at Queen's University could do that and we were stuck with this. Oh, no, no, I can do that. So, I carried out that particular piece of research which has to do with older people. When I said I can do that, for me it was going to be just another piece of work. But it was not another piece of work. I discovered a passion. I discovered a vocation. I, I enjoyed that piece of research and that area, in particular, working with older people. As in over 20 years of professional experience, I had never experienced anything like that before. So I discovered, yes, this is what I want to do. Work in economics of aging. Since I came to Northern Ireland, I felt increasingly discouraged 
not by my, the nature of my work, but by the fact that the uh, results were not being taken on board by the government. And that was my nature, really, of the work, was to provide advice to the government. But not one single advice was considered. With regards to this project on older people, it was exactly the opposite. For the first time, my work was being uh, taken on board, uh, respected, uh, appreciated. So that particular project opened several opportunities for me to influence policy making, and that's what I always wanted to do. And months ago, as I was looking for a new job because my organization is closing down, I saw this position advertised to work as an economist for Age UK. Had I seen that advertised six months ago, seven months ago, I wouldn't have even considered applying for it because I knew almost nothing about that. But six months down the road, I learned a lot and knew uh, and met lots of, of uh, influential people on that particular uh, area of policy. So I could apply and, well, finally got the job. And Everything for me goes back to the moment when I asked the Lord to liberate me from the hatred that uh, I don't know why, but that had developed within me. Uh, so I, it was, I, I'm reading a book about relationships and it says, Humility, love, integrity. And I can see those elements in this uh, story, in this testimony, that uh, I had to be uh, humble and recognize that the sin was not within my goodness. I don't know. That's not to me. To say, but there was sin within me that I couldn't love him as God told us or told me to do. So, firstly, the recognition of sin, asking for forgiveness, and then blessing upon blessing kept flowing. So now I'm going to London and I know that that's another stage in this story that started when one day talking with myself I realized that well the problem was within me. So Steve when I shared this with him said that there that he could see 
not just a personal story, but also uh, a political element with regards to reconciliation. I think that uh, we were, I'm reading that, well, reconciliation perhaps is not what we are called to do. Forgiveness is what we are called to do. Reconciliation, it also depends on the other part. But what I am uh, concerned, I asked for forgiveness, and I, since then, I've been able to love him and to pray for him. And then, well, the rest was history. Can I ask Lily to come forward? The problem I had when I heard this story was I couldn't ask Lily and Jose to stay because it seemed too clearly that God was leading them away. I was really annoyed in the library cafe when he told me this story because it seems to me it's a very clear indication of their spiritual journey and vocation. For Jose and Lily and for all of us, as I want it for my students, I have a longing that we meet our vocation where our deepest gladness meets the world's deepest need. And here's one testimony of where that's happening. And who knows, we might get another one um, very shortly. Jose, or Lily, come up around the other side of me. Let me uh, have you, uh, I'll be in the middle, and let's pray for this wonderful couple as they leave us to the next part of their journey. Our God, we do thank you for Lily and Jose. I thank you for your grace in their lives. I thank you for that story of faith that they've shared with us so many times and is so alive and vibrant. As Alan was talking about those who uh, look Christian on the outside but not on the inside, here are a couple who inside we know have desires to follow you. We thank you so much for their contribution to this fellowship. As they've thought through their faith and tried to apply it to the world that they live in, as they've had compassion for others and a passion to share their belief in Jesus with others, Lord, we are going to see a void in our fellowship because we are losing two so central members of what we do. But we pray, Lord, because we believe that you're moving them on for a reason. And we ask that as they move to London, that you will help them to settle in there, to find this fellowship that will help them to feel at home, and that that fellowship will be something from the strength of which they can go on to do things in London like they've been doing for us. We pray for the work that both of them will find to do, that they will be listened to, that they will be influential, and they will be bringers of the kingdom of God in London as it is in heaven. And we long, lastly, that we will not lose our connections with them, but that we will pray with them, and that many times in the years to come, I look out from here to see them in the congregation and know that the world's a better place because of Jose and Lily. We ask it, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.